Hello and thank you for choosing Starting Somewhere, the podcast where you hear from someone in the early stages of their working life to find out how they got to where they are, what they actually do every day, and just to get an honest look as to what your life might look like if you also start out in that area. I'm your host, Michael Watson, and I am so excited about today's guest. Continuing on our grad school miniseries, Caden Molock graduated from Morehouse College with a bachelor's degree in political science and government in 2020. One year later, Caden just completed a fast-track master's in sports management program from Columbia University. Caden talks about the importance of community to him, uh, how he has made the most out of his internships, and he shares how he approaches major life decisions. One last thing before the interview, please make sure to stick around for the follow-up where I help to unpack some of what we said, explain any technical jargon used, and thank our sponsors. All right, hope you enjoy. Caden Moloch, thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it. Michael, my man, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm definitely happy to be here. So excited to have you. So excited to talk to you. Um, let's get started with the official first question of the podcast, which is, what did you want to be when you were little? <laughs> what did I want to be when I was little? That's a, that's a great question. Um, probably, probably a couple of things. My mind was all over the place, so probably... First, a uh, professional basketball player wasn't athletic, was not tall, and had very bad knees. So that that um, kind of <laughs> went out the door pretty fast. And then next, I wanted to be the CEO of a bank. Like I remember, like back in like the JA Biztown days, elementary school, like wanting to have that role and do that for no apparent reason besides my dad worked at a bank. So I was like, be kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like probably in high school, maybe I kind of was more in the realm of kind of interested in law and and becoming an attorney and possibly a politician was definitely big into um, just politics and government growing up. Um, AP Gov was my favorite class in high school and uh, kind of led me to ending up kind of exploring that route in college. So it was kind of all line, but I was a little bit all over the place. Was there a specific thing growing up that kind of sparked that, like that interest in politics and government? Like, do you remember, was there one thing that kind of really like made you interested or aware of, of kind of that area? I would say really my dad. My dad was a super big, um, he was super into politics and always had um, different um, um, CNN, Fox, all those, all those um platforms on just for me to watch and absorb and kind of was always talking about it in the house. So I, I always felt like probably when like the 04 election happened with, uh, you know, Bush and Kerry, I was probably the most like well-educated six-year-old on politics ever. So it was kind of like through my dad, <laughs> him just kind of having that all throughout the house and kind of um, just instilling that into us so that I felt pretty knowledgeable about what was going on in the world. It was interesting. A lot of it was relevant to me and my life and people that looked like me. So it kind of just made sense. 
I gotcha. So, like you mentioned, this was what you ended up pursuing. So you attended Morehouse College in Atlanta um, mm -hmm. and majored in political science and government. Um, yeah. So can you just talk a little bit about what that process was like deciding to go to Morehouse and then also finding that that was the, the major that you wanted to go into? Yeah, it was it was definitely a process. Um, I would say I would say my um, approach to the whole college process was probably similar to some different to others as far as I was kind of just looking at whoever gave me the most money. I was going there like uh, definitely wanted to not be a burden on my parents and definitely know mm -hmm. how much they poured into me throughout, you know, high school and all that. So that was kind of my thought process. So I applied a bunch of applied to a bunch of schools, a lot of the state schools in Ohio, um, and I applied to some HBCUs, historically black colleges and universities, such as Morehouse and Hampton, um, Claflin University, just because of those are really big. From and my family, my father went to an HBCU and um, definitely was interested in exploring more of schools with that kind of rich tradition history around you know black culture and experience, mm -hmm. and so I. I actually did a summer program at Morehouse and then took a tour of Morehouse and was like, this is cool. Wasn't sold, but I was like, this is this is really cool, different experience. Um, for those that don't know, um, Michael and I were, are from Dublin, which is not very black. It's pretty white. So a, a big, a big yeah. kind of <laughs> jump from what um, I was used to as far as my day-to-day -day school life. But like, obviously, growing up in the communities with my family and like kind of exploring other areas, it kind of felt different but at home at the same time so ended up applying there as well as far as uh figuring out why i went to go there ended up getting a scholarship um to there and and some of the other schools that i applied to and i was lucky enough to be in a situation where all the schools that i applied to gave me the same scholarship package essentially so it was really just where oh, did wow. i see? yeah it was really more of like where did i see myself and um where did i feel like i could grow the most and so it really came down to Ohio State and Morehouse and like both like you not know, like full scholarships for the most part so it was it was like money was was taken care of so that was great but it was just like where did I see myself growing and developing the most and I wasn't in love with Morehouse at the time but I just kind of felt like there was something super special about the place and I did, and I felt like me growing into the person that I wanted to be as a as a as a person and as a black man that there wouldn't be a better place that I could develop and grow um, then Morehouse College. And then once I got there, I kind of found out that that was that was really true. And it definitely kind of changed the whole trajectory of my life. That's I mean, that's so cool. And especially considering that I've, I mean, like just between Morehouse and Ohio State, two uh, colleges with very rich histories and like very strong traditions there, but they could not probably be more different from one another i mean in student makeup right and like the student population um in so many different things so how long after you got there did it set in like that you made the right decision mm, that's a great question i would say it actually took a minute so okay i would say all of first semester like when i was there at morehouse this was fall of 2016 like my thought process was i came here on an academic scholarship i have to have a certain gpa to keep my scholarship like all the extracurricular life that comes with college is awesome, but like I'm locked in. So I was kind of like just holding up my room, like grinding it out, making sure that I did well in my classes. And I feel like that kind of that kind of was great as far as grades were awesome, but as far as enjoying the campus experience and like understanding why I came, it didn't do as much for that. But I would say mm -hmm. second semester, once I felt like I had a firm 
grounding and my like my academics, I was able to kind of take a step back and just get to know people on campus and really get to enjoy the campus experience and some of the things that were pretty unique to Morehouse and the Atlanta area. And once I kind of did that, it was like, oh shit, this is definitely an amazing place. This is somewhere that I definitely want to be for my next three years. And um, it just kind of all worked out, but it definitely wasn't something that happened all at once. It was first semester, a lot of in my room and uh, just studying a lot, eating cafeteria food and playing video games and then mm-hmm. kind of venturing out and really enjoying the campus experience. I got to realize that part of the incredible thing about the HBCU experience is just so much of the, so much of the environment outside of the classroom and just getting to know different people from different walks of life, the emphasis on um, community upliftment and um, just culture were things that were really awesome to me and definitely um, caught my eye once I kind of just got out my room and explored a little bit. Did you did you go into Morehouse as a uh, political science and government major? Did you know that from the get go, or was that something that you found along the way? Um, it was something that I came in with as a major. Um, <laughs> I feel like a lot of people have very well thought out reasoning for um, their majors. I was one of those people that was interested in a lot of things, so I was like, I have no idea what my uh, my what my major could be. It could be political science. It could be like marketing, finance, it could be film. Like I was kind of all over the place and mm-hmm. I kind of just settled on, <laughs> um, I took the AP Gov exam in high school. I was like, I did super well. So I was like, ah, you know, did well on this. It was easy. Maybe this is what I should do in college. And I, I must be pretty good at it because uh, it just, it felt right. So I went on a whim and went with political science. And I guess I never looked back after that. That was that was literally exactly what happened to me. I went into Ohio State undecided because I had absolutely no idea. And then on orientation day, I was sitting there thinking, I'm not going to do any of this, like what the room that I was in. I was like, I'm not doing any of these programs. I don't know why I'm here. I had watched a video about uh, the Glenn College of Public Affairs because it had just become a college at Ohio State. And I was like, li- literally the same thought. I was good at AP gov and I've always liked government. So like this might as well be the thing. And then that just like, that's just how it turned out. So if you're listening to this and you were good at gov in high school and you don't know what to do in college, you know, maybe take a stab at uh, public affairs or poli sci. Cause I mean, you, you won't be bad at it. Like that's, that's always good. Absolutely. I actually took a, a class at the uh, Glenn college, my senior year of high school, intro to public policy and oh, yeah. definitely was an amazing experience. So, uh, I know. I feel like I don't know how you feel now, but it seems like you probably made the right decision. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's talk a little bit about kind of the involvement um, on campus. So um, I know that you were in uh, the Phi Beta Kappa fraternity. Um, you were, like you said, you were on an academic scholarship, but you were also in the honors program at Morehouse. Um, and then you were also in Pi Sigma Alpha, which is the political science fraternity, a political science fraternity. Um, so talk a little bit about kind of your involvement outside of the classroom and the, you know, just things that you did that kind of really, you know, kind of established yourself within the community there. Yeah. So I'll start with kind of what you mentioned as far as Phi Beta Kappa and Pi Sigma Alpha. Those were kind of just uh, did well academically in my major and and respective to the rest of my class. So I just got like honor for that, but that wasn't much day to day, but I would say mm-hmm. as far as my like main campus involvements, it was just, I was a resident advisor for my, um, really for the last three years of school. Okay. So I was, uh, was kind of just doing that because one, 
it allowed me to have my housing paid for and really just allowed me to pour into um, the freshman. I was always over freshman buildings and coming into uh, HBCU and specifically Morehouse, like I feel like you're kind of bringing the students in as children. So it was really cool for me being able to kind of just be like a mentor and and kind of grow with them and see them develop and become amazing people, even though I was just maybe a year or two older than some of them. And um, as well, I was I was kind of in a bunch of stuff. So I was one of those people that came into college and tried everything. So I was an SGA, was involved in our business association. Um, Is SGA student government? Student guessing? government association, okay. yeah. yeah. So, and for those that don't know it, at HBCUs, SGA is like a really big deal. Like we don't have a huge, huge, um, like sports, um, sports culture there. So it's like SGA president is kind of like your starting quarterback or starting point guard for football or basketball team. So that, so SGA is really huge, um, in the Morehouse community. And I also was, I would probably say the, the thing that I was most proud of is just, I was able to volunteer with the. Fulton County, which is like the Atlanta area, the Juvenile Justice Center, where I was kind of mentoring and working with um, teenagers that had been um, put on probation for a variety of crimes and just kind of just um, providing mentorship and a resource and a vessel for them to kind of be in when they weren't in the classroom on the weekends. And then that's, Can you that's talk probably a little bit more it. about that because I think that's so that's so cool though i think the the mentorship piece i mean everything you did i think is obviously very impressive and helps to kind of like that's what shapes your college experience right it's just all the times that you got out and tried something um but with the mentorship thing specifically how did you get interested in that how did you find that and kind of like what was that what was that program like um i feel like as far as getting involved with the program it kind of stemmed from as far as interest in getting involved in the program it kind of stemmed mm -hmm. from at Morehouse, the whole culture is really, you're going to give back to the community. Like you're here, you're in a historically black uh, school. We're in a predominantly black area of the West End of Atlanta. Like you're here for a reason and you're here to not just take and learn um, from this community, but also to give back to those around you and make sure that you're um, pouring into the community that you live in. So that was kind of like the mentality that was instilled in a lot of us students while we were there. So that was like, I, I want to do something. And then figuring out what mm -hmm. it was, it was just like, I always had an interest in um, kind of like just development and growth. And that was kind of um, highlighted by some of my other extracurriculars. And I heard about this mentorship program where essentially we met with uh, the students um, that were in the juvenile center. We met with them every Saturday from, I want to say 12 PM to 3 PM. So a few hours. And, we, and it was pretty much completely student run. So we were in charge of creating educational programming for them, you know, tutoring sessions, um, sessions that are just talking about just super important life practices as far as, you know, investing, saving, um, sexual health and STI prevention, mental health, mm -hmm. um, mental health support, like just life experience things that they should know and that kind of help with their growth as well as like, de-escalation tactics and techniques because a lot of the a lot of their uh a lot of, well all of them are amazing people but it's just normally like one incident yeah. where they just like kind of snapped or like something happened where it led to a, a bad decision so um that was kind of the the day-to-day -day. and then once I was there it was just amazing because I got to see as expected like these are absolutely incredible kids and like coming from my environment where I was in 
predominantly white, like upper middle class area and had amazing infrastructure and resources, I kind of saw that um, I'm very much a byproduct of my environment. And um, a lot of those kids, it's just like as far as the support system and structure, as far as family and beyond family, just like the actual community and the education system around them. Um, sometimes the support wasn't as strong as it needed to be. And that kind of impacted their day to day, their growth and their development. And like me just being able to see that and to yeah. pour into them and be a resource as much as I could was something that I felt like I needed to do because, you know, obviously we grew up in, I grew up in a much different environment than they, than they did, but all of them were black and all of them were bright. And I felt like that was something that I could relate to them with. Yeah, no, that's, it just seems like such a cool opportunity. Um, and like such a cool way to have an impact on people. Um, so you also, uh, were very active with internships in your time in college. Before we start talking about those, I was just wondering, um, everything, you know, outside of the, outside of the classroom. So outside of the internships as well, what would you say had the most impact on you, um, from your time at uh, Morehouse? Um, what would I say had the most impact on me? I would say probably, honestly, my failures, I would say as far as like failing to get into different organizations, different clubs, Morehouse is, is super competitive as far as like, once you're there, like everyone tries to like really get involved and be a part of the community. So like I found myself, uh, whether it was organizations or um, different clubs that I wanted to be in kind of just really competing and being around other people that were doing incredible things. And I feel like I always talk about as much as I've achieved and accomplished throughout my brief life, I've definitely mm -hmm. failed a lot more than that. And it's kind of just learning and growing from that, that really kind of made me who I am. So I feel like as far as my college experience, it was incredible and I did a lot of great things, but typically all of the great things that I felt like I accomplished came off the heels of me failing at something and then having to find some type of way to persevere, or having a support system around me that kind of helps yeah. me um, um, get to the point where I felt like I could move past it. So that's really interesting because I would also agree that I had a ton of failures in college um, at varying scales. And that, that absolutely is what has like shaped the experience or at least part shaped who I am after having done all those things. But I'm curious for you, how did you like, make it through things that didn't work out like what was it for you that you either you know used utilized clung to like how did you make it through all of those things that didn't work out um i would say first my support system and the environment around me i think that one of the things that i realized once i got to morehouse is that once you get there it's a unique experience as far as faculty, staff, whether it's your professors, um, your advisors, the custodial staff, the kitchen staff, like everybody is pouring into you and telling you um, what you can do and what you're capable of. And mm -hmm. being in an environment um, where I hadn't previously heard that, like obviously predominantly Black, so it was amazing hearing people that looked like me saying that, but just coming from a different environment um, when I was younger, like that's not stuff that I always got poured into me, um, especially, you know, being coming from predominantly white areas. So having people throughout the whole campus and, and the whole campus environment, they're kind of just pouring into me and telling me that I was capable and that I could do whatever I wanted to do was honestly amazing. I mean, obviously it's, it's great to have the tactical steps as far as, all right, well, you failed. What can you do now? But just literally having people tell you that you're capable, you're intelligent and that 
they love you, that they're, that they're here to support you is something that I didn't realize I needed until I, I got to Morehouse. And kind of once I had that, it was like, okay, I failed, but I have people not just telling me like, what are you going to do? But they're telling me that they love me and that they think that I can bounce back from this and do whatever I wanted. So once I had that support, it was really easy for me to kind of just pivot and explore other opportunities that I thought I might be interested in just because I had some confidence behind me that really came from people that were saying things that I didn't always believe in myself. I feel like everyone that I've talked to who has gone to college um, has kind of like pitched their college or like type of schools. So like if someone went to a, you know, a big 10 or something like that, they've kind of like talked about the advantages of that. Um, you're the first person on the podcast who has graduated from an HBCU. So I would just be curious to learn, like if someone was interested or someone was like thinking about where to go to school and they were considering going to an HBCU, like, having done that and having gone through that experience and you looking back on it, you know, saying that that was a fantastic decision and that you, you know, you stand by where you went to school, like, or that like you wouldn't have changed it. Um, what would you tell people when, you know, deciding if, if that's the path that they want to go down for their, for college? I would definitely tell them to really just understand what they want. Like I'm never, I've never been a person where as much as I love my school, I love the HBCU culture and experience. I'm not going to tell ever tell anybody what to do. I feel like, you know, mm -hmm. it's your it's your life and you have to understand what's best for you. But just being a black person and and I'm sure this spreads to a lot of people of color just like feeling a sense of of not always belonging and feeling less than and and feeling isolated a little bit. That's something that a lot of people can relate to and that's something that um the the staff and support in the HBCU um environment, definitely Morehouse as well definitely recognize and kind of cater how they interact with you. And then even the professors and, um, and all of them, how they actually tailor their curriculum. It's something that's, that's honestly incredible. And then just also having the just connection to culture and, and history and understanding those that came before you um, and how they got to where they were and how it impacted, you know, the infrastructure of what we see today is something that is absolutely incredible. So like if those are things that interest you or sound or sound cool to you, then I definitely think the mm -hmm. HBCU experience is something that you should explore. And it's definitely something that I'm an advocate of because this wasn't information coming from, you know, Dublin that I had being poured into me from like from staff or faculty in the school just because a lot of people couldn't relate to relate yeah. to it and didn't have that that um that background. So I definitely think that, you know, history, culture, love, support and exploration of identity are all things that are super vital to the HBC experience. And if those are attractive to you or sound interesting, then that might be something that you should explore. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you for, yeah, thank you for talking about that. Um, all right, so now let's talk about the more work-related stuff that you did while you were in college. Um, so we'll start with the first internship that I saw, which was at uh, Senator Sherrod Brown's office. So from Ohio, our only Democratic senator. Um, what was that experience like? How did you find that internship and kind of what was that day to day like? Yeah. So um, I guess my thought process throughout undergrad was I'm going to have an internship and I'm going to have one every year that I'm in college. So I was kind of just searching for that. And obviously being a political science major, I wanted something that was relevant to what I was studying and also in the great state of Ohio and in Columbus because I'm from there. So it was kind of just honestly just searching um, available opportunities and kind of just blindly applied to this in to the internship after seeing it on like Indeed or something online and mm -hmm. found out that um, I ended up getting it and that 
um, it was a super cool experience as far as I didn't understand what the day-to-day -day activities were like as far as being in Senator Brown's Columbus office. And it was honestly a lot different than what I expected as far as like a lot of data collection, a lot of just talking to constituents in the area, like like understanding what their concerns were, documenting that and make making sure that we have a system so that the Senator kind of understood, had a pulse of the community and what people cared about so that that could kind of dictate um, policy and his approach to to supporting the um the area so mm -hmm. it was it was definitely a cool experience but it also kind of showed me that <laughs> i probably didn't want to be in politics long term like i didn't think it was something for for me but it was definitely something that i was super thankful and glad to have done because i think i still might have been trying to be a politician if i hadn't actually been in his office and kind of seeing the day-to-day -day is like which is a lot less glamorous as i'm sure you have experienced <laughs> <laughs> it looks a lot better in TV shows, um, 100%. Um, so you were in the Columbus office with that internship? Yep, I was, okay. in the, I was in the Columbus office the entire time. Got to work with an amazing group of people, probably like in the office at one time, only probably three to four people in there, super close-knit. So it was um, a great experience. And um, I don't have nothing but positive stuff to say, really, even though it obviously wasn't for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, in those experiences are important, right? Like, I think it's just as important to find the stuff that you know you don't want to do um, as as nice it is to find stuff that you do actually like doing. I mean, both help you. Um, so then the next two summers, you were a summer strategy analyst with Accenture. Um, same thing. How did you find that and kind of what, what was that day-to-day -day like? Um, great question. I would say kind of building on what you just said, um, my whole thought process to life is kind of just figure out what I don't want to do until I figure out something that I love or that I am cool with. So uh, I kind of just pivoted from politics and I was like, I don't know what I want to do, but I want to do something that challenges me and that makes me think. And I got, when I was looking at internships the summer going into my junior year, I was, I was introduced to the consulting world, like management consulting world and didn't really know what it was, but people would always tell me like the recruiters and stuff. We solve complex problems. We get to work with a lot of the brightest minds and it'll be something that can kind of propel you in your future. So I kind of just heard that and I was like, I like solving problems. seems like y'all get paid pretty well. So let me go see what's up with that. Yeah. And so, and so I just, for those that don't know the, the management consulting interview process is super intense. So just prepped for that and ended up um, with Accenture in Atlanta for my first summer. I ended up doing two summers, first summer in Atlanta and first summer in, uh, my second summer was in New York City. And so I just kind of got to understand the whole world of management consulting as far as working with different clients, essentially what we're doing on a super high level is just helping clients solve whatever business needs that they have. And um, typically around either like cost reduction or just helping them understand the consumers that they were serving to kind of drive growth. So. So it's pretty broad. It's pretty broad of a of a explanation, but it's, you kind of do a little bit of everything as a consultant. And then in in that job, was that also something where it was like, okay, I've done this. This is cool because you did it two summers in a row. So was that something where you were like, okay, I actually want to try to do something like this, or was it this is a great opportunity? I'm going to keep you know exploring this, but probably after college, I want to try to do something else. Um, I think I kind of went in not really knowing what I was getting myself into. So I had no expectations that first summer, but then after being 
in the company and experiencing like the culture and the day-to-day, I was like, you know what, I could kind of do this. I definitely, I definitely enjoyed it. And I kind of um, saw myself for sure ending up in the consulting world. I actually led our, our um, consulting organization at Morehouse, where we were kind of just introducing students to the consulting industry and prepping them for interviews and just kind of showing them, you know, how it could propel their career, the type of money that they can make and all that stuff. So it's definitely something that I saw myself um, doing and I still can see myself doing that one day, but it was just kind of like, um, kind of went on a whim and kind of really realized that I liked it and I liked the the company itself. Um, and it's definitely something that, I don't know, I, I would definitely be interested in consulting one day because for those of us that kind of don't really know what you want to do, you get to work out with a bunch of different clients, meet a bunch of different people, and um, really get challenged in the day to day. And and not much. Um, I couldn't ask for much more. Being somebody that's still kind of trying to figure out exactly what I want to do and where I fit within the professional world. Sure. Yeah. Just the exposure to so many things is, I think, like like you were saying, just like to be able to see a bunch of different stuff is that's, yeah. that's kind of part of the challenge, right? Like just to be able to have those experiences. That's, I mean, huge. Um, okay. So in that second summer and I don't know roughly the timeline of this but so in 2019 you were also named uh, a Forbes under 30 scholar um, mm-hmm. can you explain a little bit about that like what was what was that like did you have to apply to that um, were, were people just like oh shit look at this guy Caden at Morehouse he's <laughs> absolutely tearing it up like we got to give this guy a scholarship what was um, what was that experience like um, amazing experience not as prestigious and crazy as people think. So essentially, um, Forbes, uh, 30 under 30 scholars, essentially you apply to the, um, you apply the, uh, you apply for the, to the Forbes 30 under 30 summit. And essentially what a scholar does is they get complete, like free access to the summit itself and, um, and VIP access to exclusive events, networking with relevant industries, um, private screenings and discussions and things of that nature. So it was really just a way to kind of bring in a lot of people um, that were in undergrad or just newly into grad school that were you know, high achieving and just kind of interested in a wide variety of, of subject matter to bring them in and kind of have them network and kind of um, be involved in the whole Forbes experience without having to pay for it. So it was, it was, it was definitely a lot more chill than people expected. I think that people thought I was gonna end up in, in Forbes magazine on the cover getting a profile like it wasn't not yet. it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't that not yet but it was an absolutely amazing experience and got to meet a ton of brilliant people and some people that I still talk to this day and that was only a 3 day experience so it was pretty awesome yeah no that sounds super cool um all right so you uh after college you went to grad school so what was that process like? Like, at what point during your undergrad did you realize I want to go to grad school? And then, what was that entire process like? Figuring out where you wanted to go and what program specifically you wanted to do. That's a great question, and <laughs> I want to start by saying I, I probably um, am not the best representation of like how you should approach grad school, or like uh, don't necessarily like do what I did, but. Essentially, I I'd, I'd wrapped up my last summer at Accenture, was exploring job opportunities, and um, thought that you know I'd be working um, after I finished off my senior year. And I found out about the HBCU Fellowship Program, which is essentially a program to Columbia University within their School of Professional Studies. Um, 
that provides students that have graduated from HBCUs recently to attend the university on a full tuition ride, um, receive housing, and receive a stipend. And I saw that, and I was like, you know, my my professors wanted me to go to like law school and things of that nature, get a master's, PhD. Like I feel like because I was super locked in during undergrad, like they all saw me in grad school, but I didn't really see it in myself. And and I mm-hmm. saw that opportunity, and I was like, wait, I can go there for free to Columbia. Like that's <laughs> that's a pretty sweet deal. And I had a friend that had actually gone through the fellowship program. He was going through it as I was applying. So he he graduated Morehouse a year before me and he was kind of just coaching me on, okay, here's the application process. Take it seriously. Here's what you have to do. Had to take the GRE um, and had to go through a whole nomination process for the fellowship itself. And, and, and once I saw that, it was kind of just like, okay, I want to, I want to be, I want to have this opportunity to have this fellowship and then kind of looking at what, um, programs within the fellowship that kind of aligned with my own interests. And I saw that Columbia had a sports management program. And I've always been someone who was on top of being into politics and government and film and storytelling and all this other stuff. Like I loved, I was a huge sports nerd and loved the um, the whole operation side of the sports industry and what that had to offer. So I kind of saw that I could apply to this program through Columbia. I'd be eligible for this fellowship. And if I got it, I could explore the sports industry, which I hadn't really done in undergrad and figure out if that's somewhere that I want to be and figure it out while not going into debt, which is also nice for anyone that's in school right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, and I just, I found out I got in after I applied. So that was, that was nice. So it was, it was really just, you knew that the program existed, which is kind of like, that was what motivated you to, to choose or to explore grad school and then it was I I've always been interested in sports, so let's see this. Yeah, that like that was I it's interesting because I feel like a lot of my major life decisions are not as well thought out as people would expect. But yeah, it was it was that and I actually did a little bit more research into the program at Columbia and figured out like had some of the best staff like in the world as far as people that are super knowledgeable in the sports industry in different areas. So I could kind of figure out what I wanted to do. Um, I had talked to people that had done the program that were now working in the MBA and had like prominent positions in the MBA. So knowing that beyond just having incredible staff that had put people in positions to get hired and um, have experiences that were worthwhile. And so that kind of led me to, that kind of led me to apply. Um, Honestly, I I wasn't sure if I was going to get in just because of how competitive it was, but I was super thankful. Mm -hmm. And once I got in, it was like, Bit coming from more else, we didn't have like a sports management program per se in undergrad. So it was kind of like we had a couple people that were rock stars that were in sports, but like unless you really were seeking out seeking it out or knew once you came into undergrad that that was what you wanted to do, then you didn't necessarily have like a super strong pipeline. So this kind of allowed me to explore something that I might have been interested in coming into um, undergrad as my major, or at least yeah. as far as internship opportunities. If I had known more about it, and now I had the opportunity to just kind of explore and understand, okay. What is the sports industry? Who are the major players? And like, where could I see myself fitting in? If that's some somewhere that I want to be one day. So, uh, one thing that you said really stuck out to me, which was uh, at the very beginning when you were like, um, a lot of your major life decisions are probably not as like well thought out as maybe like someone would expect. So, just kind of going off of that, I'm just curious, like you know, with you and and big decisions you've made. 
um, when you're making those decisions and like when you're trying to figure out something like uh, what college should I attend or what grad school program should I go into or um, should I accept this internship or should I do it for another summer? Um, are you someone, and if you're none of, I, I have two things in mind, but if you're none of them, then that also, you know, like, then we'll go with that. But like, are you someone that like really tries to like research and like try to get like as many different like perspectives and reviews on something and like try to get like as much like outside input from people into a decision? Or are you someone that kind of trusts more so your own intuition and like you kind of go more with this feels right this seems like the right decision um like like that type of thing or do you make decisions on like major decisions in a completely different way um that's a, that's a great question I'll, I'll first say that like i wouldn't say that they're not well thought out but it's just to, kind of to what you're asking at the end of the day it has to be a feeling thing for me and okay. I think that a lot of people that know me are probably super surprised as far as I'm a super, lo a super logical thinker as far as I like to have all the facts in front of me. I like to do more research than I probably need to do just so I feel like I have a wealth of information as far as different programs that I'm in, um, what are the ramifications of me joining, what support staff do I have, what long-term opportunities do I have, what have other people that have gone through the program done to be successful, what are their reviews, would they recommend this program, would they recommend this school, like these are all the things that I do on the preliminary to feel like, okay, if I'm gonna make a decision that's gonna impact the rest of my life, do I feel like I have all the information in front of me? And like, that's a prerequisite mm -hmm. for any decision that I make. Uh, and then once I have that information in front of me and I feel like I'm knowledgeable on the decision I'm gonna be making, it's just, what do I feel like is the best decision for me? What is my gut telling me? And what do I feel like is going to help me become the person professionally and, and personally that I wanna be? And so that's kind of was my approach to undergrad um definitely was super super tactical as far as how i approached um understanding different schools but like once i had all the options in front of me had the packages had the information it was all right where do i feel like i could grow and then similarly with columbia like i could go and take another job offer right out of undergrad or i could take my time go to school have amazing resources support staff and curriculum and then still go work after that which i have the rest of my mm -hmm. life to do. And and right. once I had the information in front of me um, and really understood what the Columbia program had to offer and what um, I could get out of it, as well as, you know, obviously not having to pay for it. It was like, let's, let's rock and roll and let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Sign me up. That sounds great. <laughs> um, all right. So now, so let's go into, let's go into grad school. So um, you were on an accelerated program, so you started what you said last August, and you just completed your classes uh, a couple what days ago, weeks ago. Um, mm -hmm. So that in itself, number one, congratulations, because that is extremely Thank impressive. You. Thank you. Um, like unbelievably impressive. Um, but on that, like, kind of, what was what has the last year been like for you? I assume it's been. Um, you've probably been very serious and very focused school-wise, right? Just trying to make sure that you can complete this in the time that you needed to. So, I mean, whilst also um, dealing with everything that we have been dealing with in, I mean, the world in the last year, right? From the pandemic um, to everything that was happening with the um, uh, racial equality protests last summer um, and, and everything that followed there. So, 
what what has this past year been like for you in terms of trying to like or i mean there was a presidential election in there as well like how have you been like organizing your priorities and like you're just setting aside like the energy that you would like to spend and where in the last year it's a a great question as well i would say if i had to describe this past year i would say exhausting (laughs) for sure um Mm -hmm. and i would say definitely a blur and the exhausting part comes from obviously like you kind of um, harped on um this program that i'm in is typically like I would say it's it's pretty much two to four years, depending on if you're full time or part time, like what you want to do. And um, I I need to get through it in um, essentially three semesters, so a full calendar year as part of my um, fellowship requirements. So it was definitely it was definitely a lot of it was definitely a, a lot of work. First of all, a lot of work, um, a lot of information jam packed into a short period of time, but just a lot of just compartmentalizing balancing like kind of what you said uh, I came into the program in a pandemic coming off of last summer where I was mentally exhausted from seeing you know what was happening to black and brown people in this country and abroad and then mm-hmm. going from an environment where I was at Morehouse or realizing that I was in a predominantly black space and kind of felt like a safe haven for me in many ways and and I was kind of going in back into predominantly white space being Columbia and, and doing that um, with all with everything going around in this country and kind of people being all over the place about race and equality and inclusion. It kind of just yeah. that was definitely it definitely gave me a lot a lot of anxiety. It made me a little bit apprehensive about going in a new space and new experience and being a little bit uncomfortable. And then once I got in, it was kind of just balancing those feelings which for me, being a person of color, like those are things that I'm always thinking about, whether it's race identity um, and inclusion expression, like those are things that are kind of at the focal point of my life and, and how I approach um, my day to day. But also balancing mm-hmm. that with, all right, I'm in this program. I'm taking a crap ton of classes right now. I, I got to get through. I got I got to network, meet people. I got to find an internship. It was it was a lot. So it was definitely a lot of um, I had to compartmentalize a little bit as well as just be very strict with my time because I realized that I just didn't have that much of it and I had to get it get everything done somehow even though there are definitely days where I was exhausted and wasn't sure how I was going to get it done yeah so so really quick was that entire program done virtually for you that's an amazing were you in class at all that's an amazing question so I it was I was hybrid throughout the entire program so so first semester for my classes we were it was a mixture of some classes we'd rotate every couple of weeks being in the classroom versus virtual. And then other classes were completely virtual. So it's kind of a mix of that for all of my classes and me. Um, actually, I was able to live right near campus. So I was I was going to in person to as many of the classes that I was able to. But okay. it was still it was still definitely different because there's people in the program that I feel like I've made great relationships with, obviously, that I've known for a year now that I've never met before so it's definitely it's definitely been a a different experience adjusting to um just virtual school and kind of being connected within my within my my school community but also being kind of isolated at the same time living in by myself and not really having much interaction outside of the zoom calls or the um in-person classes so that was that was an experience but i mean 
as everyone's realizing that's kind of life right now and yeah. and probably for the foreseeable future. So it was just about adapting and um, just making the most as much as I could of what I was experiencing at the time. I'm curious listening to you, you know, kind of talk about all of the different things that you are juggling and thinking within the last year and and dealing with as, you know, <clears throat> a lot of us were at least baseline just the fact that there was a pandemic that we had absolutely no idea what was going on with and also a good portion of the country denying that there was said pandemic that we were all dealing with, which I yeah. think that's its own thing. Were there things specifically that you did or I guess just how did you prioritize your mental health throughout that entire process? Because I mean, I like, I honestly have no, I like, I can't comprehend how exhausting the entire, like all of it must've been just combined. Mm -hmm. So like, were there things specifically that you did time that you set aside just to take care of yourself? Like just to, to be able to be a person. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of stuff that I did, I would say first, you know, set up my first therapy appointment um, <laughs> through the school, which was, which is huge. Um, didn't, didn't go to as many as I, I would have liked <laughs> looking back on it. Definitely something I want to continue to, prior, to prioritize, but um, just throughout the pandemic, even before I actually stepped foot on campus at Columbia, it was just about prioritizing my mental health, like being able to have conversations about how I was feeling, you know, a lot of times, um, something that we talked about a lot in school is that being a person of color, just being from a marginalized group, it's about, um, you know, just being able to articulate and put words to how you feel and sometimes explaining the unexplainable. And that was something that I had to work to kind of do as I was um, going into school and kind of approaching this year, because it was a lot of just pent up uh, feelings and things that I wasn't necessarily always sure how to convey, but I knew that someone had to try and, um, that it was important as far as looking out in the community and seeing the people that I admired that the thing that made them so special is that they attempted to provide some type of analysis or articulation of what was going on. So that was something that I tried to do, whether it was, you know, with my peers, whether it was journaling, those were, those were super important. And then definitely just leaning on my, my family and my friends, like my support system. Um, mm -hmm. Something I realized at the pandemic was just, I'm at home, I'm in my bedroom, I got nothing but time to talk to people. So just realizing that, you know, mm -hmm. when life's flying and you're busy and you got a million things going on, that like sometimes those relationships that are super important, like they don't get as much of a priority as they should have been. So it was just about now that I have a little bit more time and things are virtual and I can't really go out anywhere, uh, that was just about investing in the relationships that I really care about kind of relearning and re-understanding um, some of the people that were really important in my life and just really letting them know that I appreciate them, that I love them, that I value those relationships above all else, because um, that was something that I felt like I hadn't done as well prior to the pandemic and prior to this year, just because I was always on the move doing a trillion different things and not always, you know, checking in on, on and um, being there for the people that I really cared about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's, I think that's definitely something that I struggle with a lot and I try to work on it, but I'm definitely not as good at trying to keep up with people. And I think that it, like any, any relationship, romantic, a friendship, what, like whatever the situation is, it requires a lot of work to keep it, you know, going at a level that you would like it and at an ideal. Um, and when other stuff gets in the way, I mean, it's just so tough. I mean, right. Like, and especially when you're kind of, 
siloed alone and you've got so much on your plate and it's like i mean it, you know it, i felt like and this might have just been a me thing also living at home but i feel like there were so many people that like isolation was so huge uh within the pandemic and people feeling like they were just kind of like on their own island um so just really quickly because you've alluded to it a little bit and in different spots in this and i think I, i've talked about this in other episodes but just like can you talk about the importance of a support system and the importance of a community that you can lean on? Like, obviously that has been something that has been kind of like a common theme throughout all of these things. Right. Um, like what does that mean to you? Like what does a strong community and support system mean to you? And like, how important is it for you to have? Um, great question. I would say for me, community is absolutely everything. And for me, just thinking about, kind of one of the things that I was grateful for being at Morehouse over the, um, for four years was just kind of really understanding the um, history of black and brown people in the United States and around just other countries and just understanding how much of a focal point community is to everything as far as organization, mobilization, as far as upliftment, as far as um, just divesting resources as far as just looking at structural issues and and addressing them accordingly. Like uh, community is, is so is so important, so integral to just culture and seeing how important it was, you know, all throughout time. And then just kind of connecting that to how it's impacted, you know, the structures that we have here today. And then just also connecting that to the people that I have around me and how integral they were and, you know, making me who I was today. I just realized that um, community and the people that I'm around are are vital and just being in a black space for so long it just kind of taught me to really um, invest in those around me and kind of understand how that that community aspect of uh, my life kind of aligns with my purpose and I always talk about when I'm thinking about what I want to do long term and like what my goals are it's really just about one making sure the people that are in my life know that I care about them and love them. And then two, making sure that the community that I am a part of and that being like well encompassing, like of multiple identities being included in that community, um, mm -hmm. know that I'm pouring back into those communities, that community and that every day that I am really just making sure that I am just being a support system for people that look like me or may not, but have identities that are similar to mine. That's yeah, no, that's I, I just really wanted to get your take on that, because like for for me also, I have found that in specifically jobs that have been really tough or at least situations that have been really tough throughout college, too, um, I would not have been able to get through those things without the people around me and those specific people that were, you know, with me that I could lean on in those times. Um, so I feel like it has been such a common theme throughout this entire podcast that people talk about like the importance of having a support system around you. Um, but I also really like you talking about not only the importance of it and the benefit of it, but also the importance of when you can creating that support system for other people and making sure that as much as you are able to lean on other people that other people can count on you and that other people can see that you are also putting in that work to, you know, create that community and support for whoever else needs it because it's, you know, so, so crucial to you. I, I that's, that's fantastic. I haven't heard anyone else uh, talk about it like that. So yeah, thank you for sharing that. 
No, um, no, no problem. And one thing I want to add to that is, yeah, obviously I've talked a lot about community as it relates to my identity, but also community as far as putting yourself out there and being a vessel of research and advocate for people that have other marginalized identities that you might not be able to relate to. So just being able to, for me, like looking at the queer community, specifically trans community, specifically like trans women and trans women of color and black trans women, looking at, um, you know, the disabled community, looking at people that come from different socioeconomic backgrounds that um, I, that I, I just didn't experience and looking at, um, you know, a lot of communities outside of the United States and um, just how much, how, how much of their life experiences are different from a day to day than myself. It's just part of community as well. It's just looking at how you um, can pour into others and marginalized groups that you might not be able to relate to, but you understand that their struggle is something real and it's something that they have to experience day to day, even though something that I always think about is like, as far as what I um, am involved in, if, unless, if it's not something that I feel like is super important to, or not super important, but super connected to my identity, then I can just kind of take a step back and separate myself from what's going on. But if I'm, if I'm really trying to build community and, and be a support system for a community, it's just being, being able to involve myself and, and try to advocate for others um, that need, that need my support and, and need my voice, but um, you know, just don't have it. Yeah, no, that's that's just so important. Um, so changing directions a little bit, I'm just curious. Um, so we're both from Dublin, Ohio, um, a, a nice suburb of Columbus. But then you went to Morehouse, which is in Atlanta, and then yeah. Columbia, which is in New York City. So what has that experience been like um, moving out, you know, kind of being on your own? But then being on your own in major cities, like like what has that experience been like for you um, since high school? It's been scary, but it's, it's, it's definitely been scary, but it's definitely been something that I feel like I've needed. I mean, and I'm sure you understand, but one of the things that I realized honestly in high school about um, Dublin and Columbus and Ohio in general is that just a lot of people are get super comfortable there and live yep. there their entire lives and don't leave and, and, and don't have a lot of other experiences besides that bubble that kind of shapes like their, their growth and who they're able to become and the experiences that they're able to share just because they're so confined to this particular state or this particular area, this particular suburb. And so for me, recognizing that in high school, I was like, Oh no, I got to get the fuck out. Like, this is not, this is not going to be, this is not going to be my, my whole life. Like there's just, there's, there's a lot more. There's a lot more to this world than Dublin, Ohio, and there are a lot more people that I want to get to know and um, growth that I need outside of this bubble. So for me, it was it was huge to to get out. But then once you're out and being in a big city by yourself, like you were saying, it's super scary because one of the amazing things about being from Dublin and being from that particular community is just having the safety net of what a lot of people call the Dublin bubble and having, you know, people around you that you grew up with your whole life, having people that think like you and are going to reinforce the dumb shit that you say. Um, that's definitely no. something that is very, is, is, is very, can be very intoxicating in a sense and something that you can just get comfortable with and, and never want to leave. And that's something that I realized I had to get out. And once I was on my own and in these areas, I was like, it's, it's definitely nice having that, but, I feel like I was able to really low learn and grow and 
the expansion of like my views and ideologies and a lot of things and like how I see the world have been because I got outside of my comfort zone. I got to meet a ton of new people that had different experiences that taught me things that I wouldn't have learned if I had stayed a little bit more stagnant or stayed in my in my bubble of Ohio. Yeah, no, and honestly, I didn't even necessarily realize it until I got to Ohio State and not even just the fact that it was like, I mean, a lot of Ohioans, but just it was the first time that I was interacting with a lot of people that came from very, very different backgrounds uh, than me and had very different perspectives on a lot of things than me. Um, and I think that was the first time where I realized the importance of just trying to interact with, meet, understand, communicate with just people, like just at a large scale, just to just to interact with and have as many different experiences with as many people as possible. Because, I mean, ultimately, you're going to be able to take something from every single interaction you have if you're conscious of it. If you're focused on taking something from it, you absolutely can. So I think in college is where I kind of first understood it. And then in jobs that I've had after um, in, in different states, um, it has really reinforced the importance of just meeting and interacting with and learning from as many different people as possible, because whether or not it has a seismic shift on your own personal worldview, um, you get a little piece that you otherwise would not have had. And I think that ultimately that is, I, I mean, I think that that is a, a massive positive and just something for people to kind of look out for. And that, you know, if maybe you don't know what you want to do, you don't know what place you want to be, just setting up the baseline of I want to experience different and I want to experience new is in itself a massive achievement and a, and a massive thing, like a, a massive accomplishment. Um, so I don't know if, if you've also kind of had that. You were kind of alluding to it, um, but I, I, that has just kind of really clicked in with just like trying to find as many people as possible, specifically people that aren't from where you're from. Um, yeah. I mean, that is, it's, it's, it's so huge. Yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent. It's definitely about finding those people and then kind of like being able to decenter yourself and, and really absorb and not really judge their experiences to really understand, you know, the full breadth of what it is that is different from what you're used to. So I agree a hundred percent. Yeah. Um, all right. So now that you are done with, uh, grad school, um, I'm sure that you hate getting this question. So I'm just curious and I'll, I'll try to ask it in a way that won't piss you off. Cause this question always pisses me off. Where is like, do you have a focus of maybe not like a specific job or a specific location, but do you have like some type of broader focus that regardless of what you're doing, like, you know, that the next thing you're doing, the next job, um, will be kind of centered around, maybe one specific area? I'll say this. I'll start out broad and then get a little, a little bit more yeah. um, specific. So something that I've realized that I enjoy doing is really just understanding people, understanding people and, and why they make the, the decisions that they do and kind of the different touch points that can kind of help explain that. So when I got to the space at Columbia, one thing that really interested, interested me was the data analytics space and just being able to acquire a lot of consumer data and information to understand why people are making decisions, what's motivating them, and what are those different things that we can't necessarily see through the data that are that might be cultural or something else that are adding to 
why people are the way they are. So I kind of realized that was something that I really enjoyed. And even though here it's been a lot more data and tech focus, and as far as like me kind of building up those um, those harder skills, it's still something that's really interesting to me because once you have that information, you're kind of able to tell a story of the people that you're looking at and why they are doing what they're doing. And that's something that I know that I want to do um, throughout the rest of my life. And and that's kind of something that I really ex- experienced here in Columbia was just, okay, I had experience looking at different subsets of data and understanding why people, let's just say, if it's, if it's a, a sports team, they're spending, let's just say, on average, X amount of dollars a year for uh, season tickets. I'm kind of getting to understand, all right, well, let's take a little bit of a step back and look at who they are, what are what's their, demogra- their demographic makeup, um, where are they coming from, what do they like to do um, within the, the arena itself, what do they like to do outside of sports, um, do they have a family, do they not, and how is that adding up into um, all their decision-making, which eventually leads to, do I buy a season ticket or not? And so mm-hmm. I, it's, it's interesting because I, I don't think that people always think of um, data analytics and, and um, tech space as much as, as storytelling and understanding people. But that's something that I feel like when you boil it down to the, the, um, the essence of it and move away from just like being the particular system and, and analyzing a, sp- a specific data group, you kind of understand it's really just understanding people, understanding who they are and kind of creating a story that aligns with whatever you're trying to do. So then are you thinking that you will probably continue in the sports space? Are you thinking that regardless of what specific industry, it'll probably be more like data analytics focused? Is that kind of the the, the feeling that you have right now? Yeah, that's a great question. So I'm definitely still interested in the sports space for sure. And also mm-hmm. something I've realized that um, since I've been in this program that I'm still open to doing this work within you know, other industries as well. So definitely not closing off, um, definitely not closing off opportunities outside of sports, but, but really understanding like this past summer, I got to, um, work a little bit in the data analytics space within, um, the sports industry. And I got to realize like, okay, this is stuff that's super transferable outside of sports. So obviously I would be very open to doing it somewhere else, but I also really love the sports industry and, and love, um, the fact that it's something that I can connect to. It's been, sports has been a vital part of my life growing up and it's something that just like makes sense. It comes naturally because I'm not like forcing it. It's just something that I'm actually like genuinely yeah. interested in. So definitely interested in the sports space long-term, but as you can see throughout my entire journey here, I'm not going to close any possibilities and who knows, I might be doing something totally different in five, 10 years. Well, yeah, just because like, you know, looking at, so I prep for these uh, interviews by looking at people's LinkedIn and just kind of like going through yours, you have done so many different things, but not only so many different things in so many different areas. So I know that kind of earlier you mentioned that it's very important for you to just try to learn and find out what you do want to do and what you don't want to do. So I understand like the motivation of trying a lot of different things because, you know, it's just trying to figure out like what what's kind of the plan from here on out. But is that something that you kind of like, do you see yourself being someone who is kind of always going to be involved in a bunch of different areas just because you're someone that has a lot of different interests and just kind of like you, you kind of have that feel that you know, regardless of the area, you know that you are interested in a lot of different things. So 
wherever there's an opportunity that you're interested in, you're going to pursue it regardless of what it is? Yeah, that's another good question. I think that as far as my approach going forward, it's probably going to have to be a little bit more tailored and focused than I guess my journey up until this point. But absolutely. I feel like that's something that my mom always talked to me about growing up and kind of instilled in me, even up to this point is you have a lot of interest and the journey up until this point has been about learning about different industries, different areas that you're interested in, how they apply and like what value you can add. So yes, um, I definitely am going to have like, even if it's just like a sports focus, like I think having a focus on uh, the sports industry with, uh, with when it comes to data analytics, but I definitely do see myself doing just different things because I have different interests and something yeah. that I feel like we um, kind of get roped into something that my mom always talks about is like a, is like linearity and a super linear path as far as career trajectory and development and something that I've, I've never really seen that for myself as far as just start with one job, advance throughout it my whole, my whole life and having yeah. no type of, having no type of uh, movement or just uh, pivot. I, I definitely am a firm believer of find the stuff that you're interested in and, and definitely um, I'm going to be a little bit more focused, but if I, if I need to pivot or if like something else is calling me, if there's something else on the side, that's not necessarily professional related, but it's something that I'm doing in the community that can kind of serve some of those other mm-hmm. interests outside of um, the more business focus. And that's something that I'm going to explore and, and be open to it in different areas. I love that. And honestly, that's kind of like also how I've been trying to look at it. So <laughs> It's yeah. always nice to hear someone else say that they're doing the same thing. Um, Cause yeah, I just don't even under, I like I, in part, I don't think it's feasible anymore, but I just don't understand. Like for me, it does not compute for someone to say, okay, I'm going to do this one thing. And then they only ever do that one thing. Like I just, I, I've, I've never really understood how, and I know that there are a lot of people like that. I have friends that do that. I just, that's, <laughs> I have no clue how that happens. Um, Absolutely. So really quick, before we get into the final five questions, I just want to open it up. Do you have anything else that you have not gotten a chance to talk about or just anything um, that you would like to share with the audience um, before we uh, before we start doing the, the final five? Is there anything that I'd like to share? Um, no, nah, I, well, I guess I'll, I'll say this. I'll say that obviously I haven't gone back and seen all your other um, podcast interviews but like something that i i noticed when i'm kind of i'm big into the podcast space and um just media in general is that you often see and hear about how people got to where they are and they sound super comfortable and confident and reassured in who they are and where they're at at this present moment whether it's like the pinnacle of their industry or like a job that they've always wanted Mm -hmm. but you don't always hear about that journey to get there the uncertainty the struggle and um kind of the the grit and the grind, the stuff that's not as glamorous. So I, I hope that throughout this conversation is able to show more more than just, you know, I was XYZ here, here, and here. And I ended up being super successful because while like you could always present your life that way, like it's not necessarily the most truthful. And as far as people getting something they can add, um, get value from and, and learn from, I definitely think it's always vital that people talk about some of the less glamorous stuff and some of the uncertainty and the things that aren't as pretty, but are things that we all have to deal with and no one necessarily wants to talk about. For sure. And honestly, that's one of the main reasons I started this was for the exact reason. I like to listen to a lot of interviews and I thought it was number one, unrealistic that all these people were just so happy and content with what was going on. Um, And number two, I just like, 
I don't like to me personally, like I learn more, I think, from the negative than I do the positive. Um, and I take more from the negative. So just, you know, trying to give people just the kind of the platform to share that, because also you have a lot of people that, you know, they get to be very successful and they don't want to talk about all the bad stuff that had to happen in order to get there. But without all that, you know, bad stuff, negativity, whatever um they don't get to be successful so yeah no that's that's super crucial um all right so let's do final five questions and then i have taken up a lot of your time and i will let you go but thank you so much for doing this it's been so uh so fantastic so far um all right so best job you've ever had best job ever had uh oh these are these like quick answers can be as 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 in-depth or as quick as you want it to be um I would say I forget what the official title was, but essentially being custodian in like Dublin City school system, um, my summer uh, going into okay. going into my freshman year of college was definitely my my best my just my best job. It taught me a lot about um, really leadership and development in a non traditional space, and and I learned a lot about people in an area that I think people don't always um, look to as far as like custodial custodial yeah. staff. But I was able to understand kind of motivations for people in different spaces as far as the trajectory in their career, how they got to be where they were and just kind of learning um, in spaces that not a lot of people have been in before. So definitely that was my best job. That's awesome. Um, what is your dream job? <laughs> my dream job. If there is um, one. Ah, that's a great question. Maybe being the general manager of an NBA team. I'll I'll speak that in existence. That that might oh, be my yeah. that might be my dream job right now, and that probably that will change. That would be awesome. <laughs> okay, so so let's say let's say they come to you and they say, Caden, you can be the GM of any team in the NBA. Who 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 are you going with first? Wow, any team in the NBA. Yeah, I would I would probably <laughs> I've actually talked about this with my friends. I would probably pick the Philadelphia 76ers. and I would pick them because. I have a lot of family in the East Coast, so I can okay. drive and see them pretty easily while while mm-hmm. having this job. And I grew up a Sixers fan. Um, I was born probably like 20 minutes outside of Philadelphia, so um, grew up a Sixers fan. And um, I like the ownership group, so I like the people there. I like the team that they have, and um, I'm a little bit biased, but I feel like I'd be pretty good at it if someone gave me the opportunity. We're going to send this to the front office in Philadelphia <laughs> just so that they know. Um, all right. Who are the people that you admire the most? The people that I admire the most. That's a great question. Um, I would say the first people that come to mind are like a lot of my immediate family. So um, mm-hmm. my mother, my father, and my brother, I feel like throughout my um my upbringing as a child like it was a lot of just taking bits and pieces from them and like i always joke about like my personality is like just a mesh of like all of theirs <laughs> and i don't know where i'd be without them so like just seeing how integral they were to my life but also seeing the way that they carried themselves in their day-to-day and just just being generally great people that cared about others and that um despite the amount of success that they've had in their respective careers that stayed humble, stayed true to themselves and stayed focused on supporting the ones that are around them. That's something that, um, I really admire. So my family. What is one thing that you plan on accomplishing within the next year? 
within the next year, I probably something I want to accomplish starting my own um, scholarship. So that's definitely something that's been on my mind. Actually, my family last year, um, uh, we had a scholarship for um, black students in Dublin. So that was that that was that was awesome. Uh, but also having a scholarship for um, students that are at Morehouse and not just interested in Morehouse, but are there and kind of in their final stretch and are close to graduating. But life happens; they don't have the resources to kind of um, pay off that last semester last year. So. Um, I definitely want to start a scholarship for um, Morehouse and then hopefully one day have some type of pipeline program, scholarship program for HBCUs in general. So really quick, you said that your family has a scholarship. Is there any way that like a listener could donate to that? Or like, what are the specifics on that? Oh, that's a, that's a great Let's question. plug it. If we can, let's plug it. That's, that's a great question. I don't, I don't even know the whole, actually, I was, I was, I'll say this. Okay, they, yeah. they, they can they can reach out to me uh, on LinkedIn okay. or, or something, and and we can and we can talk. Definitely, I mean, uh, last year's our first year doing it, but it was just like family pulling money together, so it was, it was super super basic. But um, yeah, if they're interested in that or like um, that pr- donating to that scholarship or some other scholarship opportunities, they could definitely hit me up. Definitely super open to providing opportunity and access to as many people as I can. Yeah, for sure. And I'll, I'll make sure to put your, uh, there's going to be a little follow-up after this. So I'll make sure to put your social media and all that stuff in there. Sounds um, good. All right. Last question. What has been giving you the most joy recently? Wow. What a question. What has been, what has been giving me the most joy? I would say it's kind of building on something I talked about earlier as far as like investing more into relationships with people I care about. I feel like I've learned more and gotten closer with a lot of the people in my life that mean a lot to me. And I feel like out of all the negative things uh, that have happened from the pandemic, that's something that's been positive. And I feel like seeing those relationships grow and seeing myself become closer to people that I care about and just um, strengthening those relationships, it's like at the end of the day, um, as as it's been a theme throughout this entire uh, podcast episode that my family and my support system are and my community are super important to me. So like being able to really strengthen those relationships and just let the people that I, that I know and care about know that I love them and that I'm here for them is something that I'm super grateful for. That's so fantastic. It has been amazing getting to talk to you and hear from you. Um, thank you so much for taking the time. And I, I mean, from the entire group of people listening to this, we wish you the very yeah. best and we are so excited to see what you go on to do. Thank you, Michael. Appreciate the opportunity. Welcome to the follow-up. I had an amazing time talking to Caden. I really, really appreciated his openness and honesty about his mental health and what he does to prioritize his personal needs. Since Caden shared his experience starting therapy last year, 
I figured that I would spend this follow-up talking about my own experience starting therapy for the first time last year. Just to give you some backstory, I knew for sure that I needed to be in therapy very early on into my freshman year of college. Not that there are any good excuses, but due to the stigma I had associated with it, a overall kind of lack of access at Ohio State, and then just kind of the fear of cost and other fears, I kept postponing what I knew I should have been doing. I also feel, though, like a big part of that was that while I knew that I should do it, I didn't necessarily know what I was missing out on. So last year at probably one of the lowest points that I've ever been in, I knew I needed to change something. And honestly, it was kind of my job that forced me into it. At the time, I was managing two statehouse campaigns remotely. They were in Iowa. I was in Ohio. And one day, I just couldn't get out of bed. And, you know, this is due to work, pandemic. There was a lot of stuff going on in my personal life. And I just did not feel that it was fair to the candidates, donors, voters in the district, people that I was working with, just kind of everyone involved. I just didn't think it was fair to them if I was not giving a hundred percent because I knew everyone else was doing their best. And if there was something that I could do in order to take care of myself and I was not doing that, then I was not giving a hundred percent to that job. And there were a lot of stakeholders in that. There are a lot of people that are affected by that outside of myself. So I, I decided to sign up. Um, and really quickly on that, I just want to say that I don't necessarily think that it's right or that you should be at your lowest in order to start therapy. I don't necessarily think that it's kind of a good view of it that when you can't get out of bed in the morning, when you're having regular panic attacks, that that's when you start to take your mental health seriously. Obviously, you know, whatever you need to do to take care of yourself in that moment, you need to do what you got to do. But at the same time, what I very quickly learned was that this is not just something for people that are at a very low moment. This is just something that improves who you are as a person. It improves the way that you can handle situations, handle yourself. And regardless of where you're at, there is immense benefit in it. So I used BetterHelp uh, mainly because I knew that I was going to do something virtual because of the pandemic. And I picked BetterHelp just because they sponsor a lot of my favorite podcasts, which Actually, I highly recommend if you are going to sign up with one of the apps, they typically sponsor a lot of podcasts or they just kind of have deals going on, uh, codes, absolutely use that to help lower the cost of it. Also, I was not making a ton of money at the time and I was able to put that in and received a little bit of financial aid as well, which helped with the cost. So for people that that has been a barrier for you, it was absolutely a barrier for me. Um, number one, I would check with your insurance. Uh, if you have insurance, I, I would check to see what, what's covered there. But then also if you're going to do something virtual and it's just kind of you paying for it, 
take advantage of every single thing that you can. And it really seems like a lot of these apps try to make it as accessible as possible for people. So if I remember correctly, as soon as I signed up, I filled out kind of a little questionnaire, said exactly where I was at, kind of what my goals were. I had absolutely no idea what I wanted. I just knew that things were not great and that for forever I had been told and heard you need to go to therapy. So I was paired up with someone and we had our first session. So uh, I can only speak for BetterHelp, but the sessions are 30 minutes and you have the choice between like a FaceTime through the app or just a phone call. So I had my first phone call with my therapist and I just kind of, you know, talked about what I had written down and I honestly had no idea really what to say. And it was a combination of that plus the person that I was talking to did not seem interested at all in what I was saying and I just did not feel like there was really any type of connection so the first lesson I learned in therapy was that if the relationship between you and the therapist is not working change it so that's exactly what I did luckily BetterHelp makes it really easy to uh, find someone else and to uh, pick a new person again I really did not know what I was looking for and so the first person that I saw on that list of new people that had a side D, I just went with them. That actually ended up being the person that I would talk to for the next few months. I honestly don't have any uh, advice on selecting a person outside of, I think, just kind of with anything, you know, when a relationship or just when a dynamic is working and when it's not. And if it's not, not only are you the one paying for a service, but also it's kind of a waste of both parties' time, right? You would want to make sure that the person in therapy, the, the actual person attending, is getting the most that they can. And then you would also want for that therapist or for that provider to be maximizing their potential and for them to be used at their fullest. So just kind of in general with, with my relationship with who I worked with, it definitely did not end up going the way that I thought it would. However, I at least figured out the purpose of therapy and realized what it was that I needed. So one of the reasons that I had been putting it off was because I felt and do feel incredibly fortunate to have the friends that I do. And there are a few people that genuinely I feel like I could call at any time and tell anything to and that they would be there to listen and that they would be there for me. What I had not expected was how much more validating and necessary it is to not only have someone from the outside assess your situation, but especially given that that person is an actual expert in helping people deal with their mental health. It was almost kind of like a light bulb in one of my first sessions with the, the second therapist that I worked with understanding oh, this is not like talking to a friend for the better, right? For the better to have someone who has dedicated their professional life to that thing, but then also having that completely unbiased outside perspective on what you're giving to them and what you're presenting to them. So being totally honest, most of the big takeaways that I had regarding therapy happened after it was over. So I kind of want to talk about the process of it ending, which was a little weird. I guess I, I was not expecting it, um, but then kind of also my takeaway. So 
most of our sessions revolved around me talking about work because without question, it was the biggest thing that I had ever dealt with. It was a lot about me talking about how I was processing and dealing with the stress and pressure of everything. And then his feedback on basically, you know, I would say, this is how I'm dealing with this. And then he would say if that was a good idea or if it wasn't and things that I could do instead. It was super helpful. I, I never really had any deep introspective breakthroughs with this. But for that 30 minutes every week, just to have it on the calendar, I would go on a walk and talk to someone and just kind of unload for a lot of that time and have someone either confirm or challenge what I needed was super helpful in, in that job and in that process. So after the election and after I was no longer in that job, I was not expecting this, but I was writing a little bit of a post-election high. Number one, being done with the cycle. Number two, one of the campaigns that I had managed won, and Joe Biden won. So I, I, there, I was in a much more positive space than, honestly, I was anticipated being in at that time. So in our one of our first sessions after the election, I, I really had nothing else work-wise to talk to him about. And he asked me to kind of think about other things that I could, you know, talk about or the stuff that I wanted to work through. So at the time, I really didn't know what because honestly, it could have been a thousand different things that, that I could have brought up. And that, I think, was a little overwhelming. So I, I really did not know what specifically he wanted me to talk about. And then in our next session, I kind of brought that up like there's a lot. I don't know what specifically direction, like what specific direction you want to take this, but I'm a little lost. Then out of nowhere, he spent the last 25 minutes of that session talking about how great he thought that I was handling things and how he did not think that actually I needed to continue doing this and that he was not a believer in therapy for therapy's sake and that was it and then he said so this will probably be our last session um super jarring honestly it kind of felt like a breakup but weirder and first it definitely reaffirmed <laughs> or at least i understood that i am not great at just talking about stuff unprompted I would always answer questions, and if he wanted to know something, I would I would give him as much detail as he wanted. But just in terms of me offering up new things, apparently it wasn't happening. Also, I guess I learned that I was a much better actor than I thought that I was, because if he, after everything of working with him for about four months, if he thought that I was, you know, as good as it's going to get, a little concerning, to be completely honest with you. So I, I think that taught me a lot about myself. And without question, the next time that I start working with someone, that's at the top of the list. That's, hey, this is going on. I've done this before. And so just, just so that you're aware. So, I mean, it's super, super helpful. All that said, though, I would say that therapy was incredibly transformative and it really helped me manage my way through a very difficult time 
and also just taught me so much more about myself. To anyone who is considered going to therapy, at the bare minimum, please call a therapist's office or download an app just to try one introductory session with someone. It doesn't need to be permanent. You're not locked into anything. But take that first step in acknowledging that nobody's perfect and we could always be a better version of ourselves. And honestly, I think the only other thing that I would say is be as open and as honest as you will let yourself be and just know that any action, big or small, that you make in order to take care of yourself and prioritize your mental health will only ever pay off and it will only ever be the right decision. Now I would like to shout out an organization that I came across on TikTok. Other People Fund is an organization that helps people pay for therapy. Also, it helps people who can't pay for therapy find a therapist. You can donate outright, but they are a merch company. They sell really, really cool t-shirts, sweatshirts, totes, has been worn and owned by Harry Styles. That was a big selling point for me. And 100% of the proceeds of everything that you buy help go towards paying for someone else's therapy, someone who needs therapy. So if you are listening to this and you are financially able, I highly suggest going to the website, otherpeoplefund.com, O-T-H-E-R-P-E-O-P-L-E-F-U-N-D.com to check them out. They also partner with Support the Psyche, um, and that is the organization that you actually uh, apply to uh, in order to um, potentially receive therapy if you can't afford it. So it's a fantastic organization. They do amazing work, and if you are able, highly suggest checking them out. I would love to thank our main sponsor, the Crystal Casino Band. Thank you, Crystal Casino Band, for letting me use their song, Luck. The Crystal Casino Band just dropped their new album, Not About You, everywhere that music can be found. No lie, I think it is their best album yet. They also just released a new version of their song, Waste My Time, with a feature from Divine Sweater. I did not think it was possible for that song to get any better, but somehow they did it. No lie, since they released it, I have been listening to it on repeat. I don't know why, but their music, I think, is so good in the car. It's such great driving music. Regardless, go check them out, the Crystal Casino Band. One final thing before we wrap up here, I have a favor to ask. If you thought of anyone while listening to this episode because they are in school to do this, or you just think that they would find it interesting, please send it to them. The goal here is to help as many different people as possible learn about as many different careers and paths as possible. So if you would like to help that mission, I would greatly appreciate it. Please also feel free to reach out at Starting Somewhere Pod on Instagram. Thank you to everyone who listened to this episode, and I hope you have a great rest of your day.